Good day, everyone, and welcome to College Sports Communicators webinar on preparing for conference and postseason championships, best practices for SIDs and assisting the media and media coordination hosts. Our focus today is on postseason competitions and the roles that SIDs play to providing appropriate and timely information to a host media coordinator and the media covering broadcasts, regardless of the division of competition. What are the necessary information pieces and what is the preparation that the media and media hosts need from SIDs to ensure that there is a great broadcast and a great championship event? Today, we'll see the role of athletic communicators through the eyes of the media and through a conference media relations host. I'm Allie Paquette, Director of Athletic Communications and Assistant Athletic Director at Middlebury College, and I'm a member of the CSD Professional Development and Education Committee. I will serve as the moderator for today's session. We are pre-recording this webinar for our CSC members and we'll be sharing it with you to help you prepare successfully for your upcoming championships. I'd li like to welcome our three guest presenters today, one conference communicator director and two media members as they will discuss what a conference championship host media coordinator and members of TV, print and radio need from athletic communicators as we prepare for conference and postseason competitions. They will talk about the importance of the SID and the best practices they see and need from our membership. So now let's, let's introduce everyone. First, we welcome Leah Secundo, longtime award-winning TV analyst and sportscaster. She announces games for various regional sports networks, working in various roles as a play-by-play -play lead, analyst, reporter, anchor, and show host for NCAA Telecast, ESPN, Fox Regionals, CBS Sports Network, the ACC Network, the WNBA, and much more. She also broadcasts softball at the Tokyo Olympics. Leah has broadcast an extensive list of NCAA championships for field hockey, basketball, softball, and lacrosse. Welcome, Leah. Thank you. And next, we'll welcome Steve Vecchioni, who does extensive play-by-play -play work for the Northeast Sports Network and has covered numerous NCAA Division III championships. In soccer, ice hockey, field hockey, while also working for Nesson, New England Sports Network, the Patriot League Network. Steve also worked at ESPN for many years as a coordinating pro producer and has earned four Emmys. Thank you for joining us today, Steve. Thanks for having me, Allie. And finally, our third presenter is fellow college sports communicator colleague, Miles McQuiggan, who is also a member of the CSC Professional Development Committee. Miles has worked at both football bowl subdivisions and football championship subdivision campus and conference levels. Currently, he is assistant commissioner for communications at the Colonial Athletic Association. One of his upcoming March Madness duties will be as media director for the CAA Men's Basketball Championship. All right, so let's get started here. Uh, I'd like to start with preparation by the SID uh, once you're notified for a conference or a national championship schedule and matchup, what are the immediate needs of the host media coordinator? So, Miles, I'm going to start with you today. Uh, you know, what kind of checklist should an athletic communicator be working on, you know, before the postseason competition? How far in advance are you looking for materials uh, and whatnot? Yeah, I think, and Allie, Leah, thank you. Uh, great to be here this morning. Um, I think one of the big first things when you're on campus and you're getting ready for a championship, it's that communication internally. And it's finding out 
you know, who's traveling among your staff, who's handling certain roles. Uh, are you bringing radio? Are you bringing various uh, groups and positions uh, to the championship? And really just making sure that on your end, you're preparing for who's coming with you, what are your needs in terms of who's making the trip. And, you know, from there, it's at various levels throughout the regular season, you're doing game notes, you're doing various things. And not everyone and not every sport is doing that at the same magnitude throughout the year. So I think once you hit about three, four weeks before your championship, it's a case of, okay, what are the needs for this championship? And it's not one size fits all. You know, maybe in Division One men's basketball uh, or Division One um, other sports where you have these like expansive collection of clips uh, to to put together throughout the year. And maybe you have that, or, you know, maybe you are a, a contact for a really good women's lacrosse program and you have been doing notes throughout the year and you have something that you can give broadcasters. That's great. If you haven't had that, take some time to put together things that are going to help your, your broadcasters going to help media that are at that championship and don't, especially in crossover seasons, don't wear yourself out trying to put together something that's award-winning in terms of your game notes. Uh, do what's needed for that championship uh, and do what's needed for the broadcasters. And like so many things in what we do, if you're someone who's newer to doing this, if you've never done game notes for one of your sports before, lean on someone within our CSC membership. You know, lean on someone who you've gotten to know, whether it's someone in your conference, someone in your region, and be like, hey, how would you tackle this? And, you know, instead of going it alone, I think like so many things in our business, it helps to get a second set of eyes on something and find out how you can best help the groups around you. One other thing leading up to a championship is if it's a championship with an all-conference team that's announced prior to the championship, be on top of hitting those deadlines. You know, I think a lot of these things, there's a very quick turnaround on the conference side. I remember last year, because of some makeup games, we had about I don't know, 12, 16 hours to turn everything around. And it's really, you're, you're going to make some friends with your conference office if you're on time with things, because the unfortunate reality is a lot of the times out of 12 or 13 schools, three or four are not on time. And it definitely is going to make your life easier. Um, stay on your coaches. They've, they're not thinking about that stuff right now. They're thinking about how to win a championship. So stay on your coaches and make sure that stuff gets in on time because that's going to make everyone's life easier uh, in the long run. Yeah, thanks, Miles. I'm, I'm really glad that you kind of talked through the different levels, you know, within NCA or NAIA and um, what people might be doing or might not be doing during the regular season. Um, I just think that's, you know, so important because we are all at different levels and um, we do prep things differently. And so just kind of keeping that in the back of your minds as you're entering um, the postseason of, you know, if you're starting from scratch, that's fine. So are a lot of other people um, and whatnot. So um, kind of switching gears a little bit here. So hearing from Miles um, in terms of the SID perspective of what we we think is important to kind of gather ahead of time, I wanted to switch over to, to you, Steve and, and Leah, and just kind of get your thoughts. So, you know, Steve, you know, like athletic communication professionals, uh, the postseason for you, you know, you have a steady diet of airports, rental cars, tight schedules, nights with little sleep. So sometimes you don't have very much time to get to know the teams heading into the postseason. Uh, it probably feels like you parachute in and parachute out. 
So uh, I'd be curious from you, what are some of the first things that you need from an SID to prepare for a broadcast for championship uh, season? Well, for me, um, there are two big things, and this is just, you know, me, but as a play-by-play announcer, the first thing, the names of the players and how you say their names, that is my number one priority. Um, it's interesting because I find that, that individual schools have different ways of doing it. Some schools will list all players, names phonetically, how, how you say their names. Others will pick and choose what they think are the tough ones. Um, what I would say is, I, I find that if you list literally every name, that's, that's easier for me. I mean, some of them are obvious, like the name Brown, for example, or the name Taylor. I mean, if I see that, I know what it is. But names, sometimes you take a look at it and you go, hmm, <laughs> is, it, is it this? Is it inflected that way? Is it said this way? Um, I know um, uh, the name with a, a Stein on the end, S-T-E-I-N. Uh, is it Steen? Is it Stein? A lot of times SIDs won't include that. Um, uh, some do, some don't. Um, sometimes the coach will have a tough name to say and the coaches won't get listed. So then I ask the question, how do you say the coach's name? Um, I, I, I would say that if you're, if you think the announcer may have a question, just include it and, and, and uh, put it in there. That would be my, my suggestion and, and a thought on that. Um, so names are, are huge. I mean, because as a play-by-play announcer, uh, you want to feel as if you're in control of, of your situation. And if you're hesitant as to what the name is, particularly in a fast-moving sport, um, it can throw you off um, if there's a seed of doubt in your head, uh, being paranoid, of course. But, um, you know, so uh, there's that. And then the other thing for me, so names are big. And the other really big thing for me is getting a chance to speak to the coaches. Um, Allie, you helped me last year, for example, during the field hockey uh, to talk to Coach Lorenzo the day of the championship game. Um, we spoke for maybe five minutes. We asked three or four questions. I could tell she was in an, a different place at that moment, you know, preparing for a championship game, but she gave us the five minutes and she gave us like a couple nuggets. And she also... I just had a chance to observe her a little bit, you know, that morning. And I, I made a comment during the broadcast about how focused she was and, and her, you know, her demeanor going into the championship game. It's little things like that. But in talking to coaches, I get so much, I get, I get so much. I could give you example. And I know Leah knows this too. Just example of after example of, of, you know, when you speak to a coach and you get the, the really inside uh, material about their team and you really dig deep, it just really helps the, the overall preparation going into the game. To so names, point, names and coaches. To, to one point on what Steve mentioned, you know, pronunciations that might be obvious in one region of the country might not be. Correct. You know, you know especially, you know, coming from the Northeast Italian names that people think you would get, you go down to Mississippi or something and you're like, nope, don't. Don't know that one off the top. And of my some head. Italians say their names differently. Uh, yes. Like my, my, yes. My last name is Italian. O N E. A lot of people will go with the own. I go with the Oni. You know, Vecchioni. So, and and by the way, no detail is too small. I'll give you a, an example. Johns Hopkins. Uh, the SID there told me it's okay to say the full name at the top of the broadcast, Johns Hopkins, but it's acceptable to say Hopkins throughout the broadcast. 
And I'm like, great. I'm glad he told me that, you know, because I want to, I want to make their fans feel as if I know them, you know? So I, I, you know, like I said, no details too small. Well, and I think to, to add to that with regards to the names, uh, there are several colleges and universities now that on their websites off their rosters, they're actually doing an audio having, yeah, the, I love that having the player say it audio wise that that to me, because coaches a lot of times say their kids' names wrong. They do. <laughs> You're like, okay, that's the kid's name. Well, that's right. not the kid's name. And then you get to the arena and you find out, you know, what the proper name is. I think that if the SIDs can spend in their heads, spend before the broadcast, when they get to the arena, they put their stuff down that day of the game, they engage with the talent one, one last time after, you know, having done all your pregame stuff and I'll, I'll mm -hmm. go backwards after, I don't want to interject too much, Steve, because I know you're on a roll on what you want to talk about. But when we get to the arena, if they put their stuff down, come over to us, introduce themselves in person or on game day, if we're working from home, because we still work from home, just call one more time. Hey, you want to go over pronunciations one more time? Or, or do you have any last minute questions? Um, can we, you know, what, can I text you in game with nuggets? Um, or can I bring nuggets over to you uh, if if Becky gets her 1,000th rebound? Absolutely. Those are the type of things that you know we we need in that last second in that last second role. Uh, yeah, all great points. All great points. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the double check one last time because I can't count the amount of times that you know you just I just want to go over this one person's name one more time. It is tricky. Um, or you do have that one note that you either left off because you weren't aware of it, or you're, you have eight teams in the postseason and you're a division three SID. So you're thinking about notes for all eight teams and you don't think about that one thing. Um, and what you said, Steve, too, I think our coaches are such an incredible resource for information about our student athletes and, you know, our SIDs, we, we know our students well, um, depending on if you're a primary contact at D1, you might know them really well. Uh, if you're at a division three school like myself and you have 31 sports, um, you don't touch every single student athlete as closely as, you know, a D1 primary contact. So our coaches have those stories that are feel good stories. They're not necessarily about the stats or the you know most valuable player on the team. And so I really would encourage people to set up those meetings with the coaches ahead of time, especially in division three, where we're not in division two and NAIA, where we're not normally used to doing that for every single game. Um, taking those five minutes is, it can be critical and it can really enhance the broadcast. So um, great, great points. And Leah, I wanted to loop back to you um, quickly on this topic before I move on to the next question. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the importance of the actual communications with you ahead of the broadcast? You know whether it's email, texting, um, FaceTiming, you know, what are types of communications that you are seeing? What are best forms of communications leading up to those broadcasts that are helpful for you? I, I would say you first and foremost, you started off, you, had, you have your colleague as well, and maybe your producer on an email to uh, the SID, just introducing yourself. And some most of us try to look ahead and at during the semifinals or quarterfinals of championship time and say, hey, look, we're, we're here in the background. You, we know that the turnaround from quarterfinals and you know, elite eight could be quick to getting on a plane and going. So we just want to introduce ourselves. Um, if I if we don't hear from them, 
uh, I'm a phone call person. I think we've lost that, that communication, <laughs> but, you know, follow up maybe in 24 hours if you don't hear, because Allie, like you said, at two and three, you're working multi-sports and sometimes you don't, you just don't have, there's not enough time in your day. Um, the things that we're looking for right off the top are those feel good stories. I had a coach yesterday talk about how their team did 400 hours of community service. That's not in game notes. And, and in two and three, you guys don't typically prepare game notes. So from, from our standpoint, just start thinking about maybe some bullet points on each player that we're going to need a pre-broadcast bullet point on your, your starting lineup uh, and maybe a couple of important subs. Not, not the obvious, you know, lead, team leading rebounder, team leading assist player, but things like, oh, worked in the offseason in Italy with underprivileged ch children or has aspirations of being a college coach and was selected um, it, for a special program, uh, wants to be a neurosurgeon and, and worked following the footsteps. Those are, those are the type of bullet points that, that really help us to get the ball rolling before we get on the plane. Um, and that's the big thing too. We, we, we need those notes in our hand, not day a game, not an hour before the game, but we need those in hand. And we need to be able to speak to the coaches ahead of time, even if it is for 10 minutes ahead of time. Uh, and I say days ahead because on game day, as Steve just said, they don't wanna be talking to us. Their head is, is over here. We might go up to them and say hi, but we really need to speak with them ahead of the schedule. Yeah, I think everyone's hitting on kind of the major points on, you know, preparations ahead of time. And um, one of the things I just kind of was thinking about as you were talking, Leah, um, and Steve mentioned this too, not just talking with the, you talking with the coaches, but it's always a good idea for us to check in with our coaches as well as we are preparing those game notes. Maybe there are stories in there that we can pull out of them ahead of time. Um, you know, we send a questionnaire out every year at the start of the school year or start of the season for all of our athletes. We have, you know, whatever, 600 athletes or something like that. And we ask, you know, what are you doing outside of your sport? You know, at D3, obviously that's a, that's a really big part because we don't have non-traditional seasons at our conference. Um, so a lot of them study abroad, as you mentioned, Leah, or, you know, they're very in, engaged in community service on their campus. So some of those things you can pull out ahead of time and, you know, whether they go in the game notes or whether they're just, you know, separately to the broadcasters of like, Hey, if you need filler time, here are a couple stories, you know, played against her sister in the national championship two years ago or whatever it might be. Um, so definitely would encourage the SIDs as well to speak with your coaches and pull some of that information out ahead of time to have some of those feel good stories um, that you can include um, as well. Um, all right, so we've talked a lot about game notes. So I wanna dig a little bit deeper into that piece. Um, everyone, as Miles touched on, does game notes differently. Some schools don't do them during the regular season. Some schools don't do them at all because they're not really even sure that they should be doing them when they get to maybe their first ever NCAA tournament game. Um, so as a broadcaster, and uh, Leah and Steve, this is a little bit more for you, but Miles, feel free to jump in. Um, what are your must-haves in terms of like the game notes specifically? You know, 20 pages can be a lot to file through. So you know, is it helpful to have that 20 page stack, but then have something else? Um, I know for us, we do a quick, quick fact sheet and on the backside is our roster of pronunciation. So it's a one pager. 
um, in addition to our game notes. So um, what are things that you've seen that you're like, this is really helpful for us, or maybe it's not helpful. What's essential for you to have in the game notes and, and not? Is it, it, can we, can we say specific schools if we, we saw something that a specific school did? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mike Hogan, who is at South Florida for his basketball notes, I would encourage, um, encourage everyone to, to take a look. It's, it's probably his second or third page. And he has uh, the entire roster with not only the names and their height and where they're from, but bullet points that he adds to with their picture and their phonetic spelling and the pronunciation next to it. And he just keeps adding to it. So it's kind of like our game charts. Um, and it's, it's real helpful and parallel to our game charts. Um, it, it has everything in it. And then another piece that I've seen several schools do is they take the NCAA top leaders and then where their leaders stack up against those leaders. So we're not having to rush on NCAA.com during the game and you know seeing exactly where they fall. It's it's the leaders in the country and where their where their school or their team falls in those categories. Those are two really helpful things. I mean, I, I like a lot of detail when I get uh, notes from from SIDs, but you know, one of the things play by play uh, sportscasters can over prepare sometimes, and sometimes you're filled with too much information. So I, I try to keep it to the things that I really would like to make mention of. Little things like series history between opponents, really important to me. Um, I would like to know accurate information on, on the coaches and their history with the programs. Like sometimes I'll go into coaches' bios and they won't even be updated on the websites. Obviously, I, I would encourage that, that all the, uh, the websites update their, their biographies and their, and their ar archival records, you know? But I try not to overload myself with this stuff. I try to make sure it's stuff that I think people would find interesting. For example, and I'll go back to the field hockey I had last year with uh, Johns Hopkins and Middlebury. Um, I, the day of the championship game, I, I didn't know what their head-to-head -head record was. So I went into the archival records and I found that they'd never played before. I think the fans find that interesting that this is the first matchup ever between these teams. And then I made an offhanded comment. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take a guess that they meet again. And then they wound up meeting a year later. So, you know, you never know when something you may find or say could turn into something a little bit of a nugget, you know? Um, but I, I try not to over-prepare, but I do think what, what Lee was saying about just keeping it really, you know, organized and easy to read and you, you pick up pick up on it right away um I, I and 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 if it seems useful you know it can really help your broadcast I, I think if it's kept simple but organized that that can only help and you can then pick and choose what you want to use because you're not going to use everything you can go in thinking you're going to use all this stuff and you don't but you know if it's there for you you never know when you might refer to it you know, you could refer to it at some random point. It pops into your head, something you saw, you know. So I, I, I just echo what Leah said about organization and simplicity and, and, and just, uh, you know, getting it as efficiently and quickly as possible, too. Yeah. Early is, early is the key with us it, it, because there's so many other things 
that we are focusing on on game day, especially when we, well, from the minute we wake up, it's just like the teams. Right? We have a regiment that we follow. And if I get notes at, at nine o'clock for a noon game, I, I'm not going to be able to do your team justice. It, it just, it, there's too many other things happening. <laughs> Yeah. And just to touch on it from the conference side, you know, one thing that I think is important is, yeah, include a note or two or three about each member, but tell the conference's story in your notes. You know, I think people are going to go to the Towson notes to know that this guy is shooting 51% from three in conference play. Like that, if that's the best team note you have, sure, but include like this many teams in the league are over 20 wins. This many teams in the league have 10 or more road wins. You know, those sorts of things that group multiple members together and show the strength of your league. I think as a conference SID, those are the types of notes you should focus on. And if you're a conference SID, you don't need to be doing 20 page notes. Just no. you, you don't. Find the specific things that tell your league story that a producer can put on a graphic. Find those things like those table type things that producers are going to want to put on a graphic um, and really hammer those that tell your league story instead of just being redundant to what's in a school's notes. Yeah, Miles, that's a, that's a great point because I, I don't even recall, even in a championship setting, where uh, anyone has included in their notes that, uh, you know, Middlebury has had field hockey for blah, 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 blah years, has had, you know, won so many championships. The conference as a whole has had field hockey since 72 um, with five All-Americans, you know, and, and just that, that's a great point. And, and you may even want to add some notable graduates of the conference um, and, and what they're doing. Those are the fun nuggets that we can add during, during a broadcast if it lends itself to go that way. Definitely. And one of, one of the other things that has kind of come up a bit and that I hear, especially at the division three level is this all sounds great, but we don't do no game notes during the regular season. So I've just made it to the, maybe it's your conference championship for the first time in school history. You've never been with any sport, or maybe it's the, your first NCAA game with that sport. Um, where do I even begin? Uh, and I think, you know, I can speak a little bit to that from the D3 perspective of what we do. And I'm sure um, all of you could probably chime in as well. Of where do I even begin? It's the middle of crossover season. We're deep, you know, with our winter teams. We have spring starting and we don't do game notes. So what am I supposed to do? Um, one thing we started doing here a couple of years ago was we do internal notes each week for all of our teams. Um, and that's, you know, where are people at with their milestones? Um, are they Where are they in the country ranking-wise? Um, the teams that they're playing, likewise, we do, you know, just notes like that. We don't put it into any formal game note thing. We don't print them. They're not for people coming to our games, but they're internal. And what that does for us is we can tell better stories. Our recaps from those games, you know, say a team gets blown out um, and it's a it's a loss and you don't have a lot to work with those notes can come in really handy for that game story. Um, and then likewise, we'll, we will, um, as we get closer to the postseason, we'll start printing those off and making them a little bit probably more organized and nice looking. And we'll just hand them to our um, NSN play-by-play -play, um, producer. And we'll just say, hey, you know, if you want to use this, great. Here's a few notes. You know, it's still the regular season, but we're getting close. Here's where we're stacking up where we think we might be in the tournament. Um, and so when it comes time to actually make it into the tournament, 
we're not starting from absolutely nothing. Now, some people are starting from nothing and that's fine too, but I would encourage people to keep notes, some form of notes on every program and those key athletes throughout the year. So you aren't starting from scratch. You know, maybe the one note is last year, they were all conference and that's the only note you have. Um, and then they go off and they have a career high day. Well, now the broadcaster has that one note um, or you have that for your story. Uh, so I think, you know, it can be a little intimidating to enter into these tournaments and feel like, whoa, we don't even do game notes. Where do I begin? But I think, A, you can start ahead of time. Um, B, if you are starting that week, um, you know, I think, Leah, you mentioned like somebody else that you really liked how they did their one pager. You know, look out there, talk to people in um, CSC, see what other what are other division three or small colleges doing um, so that you can at least start to build that up so that maybe it isn't so overwhelming when you get to um, the point of the tournament. I'd love to hear what all of you have to say on that. I'm sure you have thoughts and things that you've seen across the years as well. In terms of, uh, you know, the the types of notes that I, I like, I think I indicated some of that, but uh, I, I think that um, the, the key is, is, is the note something that can stand out during a broadcast? Is it something that, like you, you mentioned uh, records, uh, you know, and, and uh, teams, you know, personal uh, scoring records and, and things of that nature, that, that stuff's easy to talk about if you have accurate information. Um, and it's easy to work in, you know, if somebody's going for 1500 points, if somebody's 33 points shy of 1500 points, uh, second in the Middlebury history, let's say, I'm just throwing this out there, you know, it, that stuff's easy to, to, to uh, process and easy to say. And I think, you know, the people who are listening to us, I mean, a lot of times I think, you know, we, we, we are talking to people who they just want stuff that they can you know, uh, process and, and stuff that they can, uh, you know, come away with, you know, instead of the, the deep detail sometimes that announcers get into. And I think that, you know, basic things like records and, and, and uh, feats uh, for each individual school, or if it relates on a national level, if some, somebody's going for national records, things like that, I think records are, are really big um, if whatever information can get provided along those lines. Right. And, and what the producers are looking for, our background people are looking for, are certainly a little bit different than it, it all molds together. Right. But what they're kind of looking for are, are things where they can build the, the graphic to support yeah. what we're talking about. So um, from the SID standpoint, you know, just kind of think in that mentality of gra graphic numbers, you know, four time coach of the year. Um, you know, 11, 20 plus win seasons, you know, just bullet point things that they can make a, what we call a tombstone uh, uh, on air from, from the producer aspect of, of what, and that helps us look good on camera. So it's like I never heard that one. <laughs> I never heard tomb, tombstone before. I'm a former producer. That one, that one's new to me. Okay. So we've talked a lot about prepping for the competition. Um, you know, now we're at the competition. What, what do you, if, if somebody's done a really good job prepping, you know, they have the notes to you before you get on the plane, well ahead of time, um, all that stuff, you know, what are the things that you're looking for? Maybe the top two things that you're looking for on competition day of, um, you know, one of them, Leah, you did talk about is rerun down the pronunciations one more time. 
Um, but what are some, maybe maybe one or two other things from the group of, of all of you of um, it's competition day and this is what I'm expecting from from the SID. So, so I'll I'll just talk about during the game itself. Um, yeah. There are two things that I live for. Um, one are uh, hard copies of statistics. Now I know everything is done on computer. Uh, I just like hard copies. That's just me. I, I, if somebody can give me a, a first quarter sheet or a halftime sheet, I, I can refer to that really quickly looking down and just sort of use that. Um, I, I think mo more often than not, people use computers and, and their devices, whatever, but I just like, I'm, maybe I'm old school, I, I, I like hard copies of statistics as they're going on. And the other thing, and I'll, I'll just say this, and I'll, I'll give one quick story. Um, I just hope the live stats is working and working well. Um, it's because I, I, really is laughing. I, it, it's so important to, to have that instant information accurate. Um, uh, whether it's hockey and a goal score with a correct assist or whether it's, but the story I want to, here's the story I want to tell. Um, in 2018, I was doing the NESCAC soccer championship. And I had a location where I was located, which was very far from where the goalies were, okay? And it was hard to see numbers, hard to see players, but I did my best throughout the game. Um, the game was scoreless going into overtime and then going into the shootout. Now, I happen to know that the Colby goalkeeper in the previous game was replaced by a shootout goalie specialist who barely ever played, but would come in for the shootouts. Now this was for the NESCAC championship. Um, so now we're going into the shootout and I'm like, is he gonna come back out to replace the goalie who had been uh, shutting out the opponent? And I couldn't tell. Now I, I wear glasses and binoculars don't do me any good because I, I can't see with the binoculars. I can't see through them when I'm wearing the glasses. So that wasn't going to be there. I needed live stats to tell me that the goalie was replaced by the other goalie. And I knew going in because I talked to the coach and I had done my research that the shootout guy had come in the previous game. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell who the goalie was. So I had a decision to make because the live stats wasn't giving me the right uh, player. I, I, do I go with what I think it is or do I go with, the, the old goalie and hope that I'm right. I decided to go with the shootout goalie. And as it turned out, I was correct. It was the shootout goalie, the coach sent in, but I was sweating. I mean, I had, and I didn't want to get it wrong for a championship game, you know, the goalie, I want to get it right. The main newspaper the next day reported the wrong goalie, but I knew I had the right goalie after I talked to the coach after the game, but live stats, they didn't have the personnel I was told to know you know, they were relying on students, which I get, you know, but they didn't catch the goalie change. And this, this, this comes up with hockey, too, on goalies. A lot of times the, the goalies will be replaced in the, between periods and it doesn't show up in the live stats. So I guess my overall point on my long story there is if the live stats is accurate, that's a big thing. <laughs> and take the, take the initiative. Don't assume that we know. Uh, and, and the goalie reference is definitely have seen that happen in field hockey and ice hockey and lacrosse. 
Um, and you're right, a lot of times we're at such a distance, you really can't make out the numbers and stuff. So it takes two seconds for them to either walk, walk over if we're on site or text us at least uh, and tell us that, you know, hey, there's a change or, or just anything like that. Hey, coach, uh, coach has left the field. She's not feeling well. How many times, you know, things like that, you know, different things like that or, or even a, a record being broken for sure. Yeah, I think especially with some of these uh, remote broadcasts that we've had over the last few years, you know, communicating because there's things that broadcasters would see when they're on site that they're not going to see. And if you're an SID who is on site, yeah. you know, we had a situation a few weeks ago where uh, a top player in a game hurt himself dunking in warmups and was scratched at the last second from the starting lineup. Right. The network opens with an open about oh. that player and then it's like, but where is he? And so I think as the SID and hey, I know coaches are secretive. I know coaches don't want to let stuff get out. But 13 minutes before the game, it's not getting out. They saw it happen. So like be communicative. So those sorts of things don't happen. Because yes, we're here to help our teams as SIDs, but we're also here to help the media. So let's help them do their jobs. Can can I just jump in here? The injury thing, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a big one. I'm surprised I didn't even think of it myself. Uh, I I think that um, there's a way that the SIDs can communicate injuries so that they're not feeling like they're giving out information that the announcers will give to the opponent. There's a way to do it maybe, you know, minutes before airtime or whatever. But I, I have gone into games where I have found out that players who I thought were going to play are not didn't play. And it's, it's a big mystery as to why they weren't there or I didn't know that they weren't going to be there because the coach said, don't tell anybody. I think if that's the case, if the coach is really concerned and Leah may have you may have thoughts about this, too. Just let us know just before we get on or something just this, so that we're not flying blind about the injury situation. No, and, and we're trying at the end of the day, we're trying to put your institution in the best light. We're That's trying, right. It's all about the stories about your school and your program and your conference for two, two, two and a half hours. We can't do that if you don't help us. And, and, it, and you really have to, it's about the, the young women and young men. They've earned, they've earned this opportunity and, and that's all we're trying to do. So if we go on the air, like Miles said, and have this big elaborate open on this guy that <laughs> it's not going to play, it looks foolish for everyone. It, you know, so help us help you is, is the end game for sure. Definitely. All right. Well, I have one more question. We're coming to the end of this here. So um, one of the things we haven't talked a lot about is kind of building the relationships between the broadcasters and the coaches and or student athletes. Again, sometimes you're flying to Leah. I think you have 10 events in the next two days or something like that. Um, You know, you're, you're going so quickly. You have so much going on. How can SIDs better help um, you feel comfortable with the student athletes and the coaches, you know, ahead of a game or, you know, for during a game, if you're doing, you know, interviews um, and how can the student athletes feel, you know, more comfortable, you know, sometimes they've, they've never met you. Um, so what can SIDs do to kind of prep those conversations, um, build a, build a nice bridge of, of the relationship, even if you only have, um, you know, hours or it's your, your first time talking to that person. Sure. I mean, a lot of it, I think a lot of it falls back on us. I think it's our responsibility as soon as, as we have an opportunity to get to the arena. Um, if we have a chance, 
uh, on, on game day or shoot around day or, you know, whatever sport it is to, I, I always try to ask the coaches if, if I could have 30 seconds with their team and just go and introduce myself and say, you know, this is our, this is my broadcast colleague. We're, this is a producer. He's going to make you all look pretty on air and just try to get them to relax a little bit and understand that, you know, we're, we're there together as a team to, to make it the best broadcast ever. Um, if the, if the schools can give us that or can do that, I think it's wonderful. Another thing that only seeing a couple of schools do this, and I would encourage the SIDs, especially if they get to that championship level, if they have 30 seconds at the end of their practice, and th these are the teams that I really remember doing because there's not a lot of them doing it. But I had, I had a couple of teams that came over in championship week and each player introduced themselves to us. And, and it took two seconds and they ran, you know, like it wasn't a long thing, but um, that meant a lot. I know it meant a lot to me uh, because you never see it and it was different. And, it, you know, and it just kind of broke the ice between, between all of us. Um, sometimes it's not going to happen when we're working at home, but especially in the championship setting, being a special week for those student athletes. Uh, I think that's something that will, would certainly set them apart and kind of make them feel at ease as well. Yeah, I think I think that is so important. I, it kind of reminds me of something that my student worker said to me the other day, who's a senior. Um, she's been working with us for four years with stats um, and IDing photos in the office. And she says, I walk through campus and know every athlete on every team, but probably most of them don't know me. And it's just, you know, it was kind of, it was funny, but it was also, you know, we do work behind the scenes and we do all this, you know, with the broadcasting, like you are so behind the scenes, but you're also so public. And so it's, you know, the athletes, they might hear your voice. I mean, I know, you know, Steve's voice is on a couple of our videos highlighting some games he's called, um, but they don't know you. And so that simple, just introducing yourselves uh, it, having the athletes introduce themselves before a game, I think it brings the humanistic side to what you're doing. Um, it allows you to put like a true face to the name, not just a roster shot. Um, and I think that is really important for people to know the, the folks behind the scenes that are, you know, promoting them during these events. Um, and it does establish that level of comfort, Leah. So I really, I really appreciate that. Um, Steve, Miles, what, what about, what about either of you on the building relationships piece? Well, I, I think I alluded to this earlier, but talking to coaches and a lot of this, you know, I did work at ESPN uh, as Leah has, and I, 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 you know, coming from ESPN, it was just, you know, talking to the coaches was, was a, was a huge thing. Just, it was really, um, you know, uh, impressed upon you that, it, that, that, you know, getting the information from the coaches about, about individual uh, characteristics of the team had the arc of the season individuals you know players uh, uh, their ups and their downs just establishing the relationship with the coaches really helps me in my broadcast I know for sure and um, I think what, what's been interesting for me is you know I do most of these games at MSN by myself because I don't have uh, an analyst for a lot of the regular season games that I do so I've worked very hard over the years to establish relationships with coaches and by doing games over the last five, six years in the NESCAC, coaches are now familiar with me. And uh, when you establish that familiarity over time, they become more uh, open to tell you things and, and to uh, further that relationship. And I think that uh, uh, 
that just makes the broadcast better. I, I you know, talking to coaches is, uh, is vital. Uh, I feel like in establishing that relationship and establishing credibility, you know, if you say something is off the record, it's off or if they ask you that it's off the record, make sure it's off the record, make sure you're not saying something um, that they don't want you to say if they, if they ask, you know, that it be off the record. Um, don't give away game plans from one coach to the other coach. You know, if, if you're talking to both coaches, you know, just, uh, ask the questions in terms of you're, you're neutral for both teams and, you know, you want to get that information out there, um, in, in a way that's, uh, uh, credible. And it's also, uh, not, you know, going against the, the, the nature of the conversation you have with the individual coach. Um, that's a, you know, these things come up. Sometimes the coaches will be hesitant to say stuff because they're afraid I'm going to say something to the other coach. And I work hard to establish that, no, I'm not going to do that. I won't convey that. I just want to get your perspective. I want to get their perspective and then go from there. That's a tricky one too, but that comes up. Yeah. yeah and one, one thing I think both of you touched on so far before I kick it um, over to Miles is um, I know a lot of teams also do set up a 15 minute zoom ahead of time. Um, so mm -hmm. the team and the coaches with the broadcasters or analysts. Um, and I know that can be incredibly useful. And, you know, maybe if it's a big team, maybe, you know, you're, you're it's not the whole team, but it's a couple of those key athletes that, you know, you're going to be talking about, we know you're going to be talking about and just kind of, you know, establish that relationship. I know that can be super helpful as well. Um, I know that does come down to timing and planning ahead of time, but um, I think that can be pretty, pretty key. Absolutely. But again, yeah. anything the SIDs, SIDs, I should say, can do to help in, in making these conversations happen is really important um, in terms of do I call you? Do they call me? What day works best for them? I mean, little things, but it's important, you know, like, are they going to call my phone? Do I call their phone? Um, you know, what day is best for them? Make sure you're flexible so that you accommodate their schedules. But the SIDs, anything th that you folks can do to help in those meetings and just setting up the meetings is important too. Advance, it, it, advance, advance, everything, everything in advance. And um, you know, I, my, now it's kind of slipped my mind. I guess I'm having a sixties moment here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the aspect of, of, of game day and, and what we need and what we look for from the SIDs, you know, even, even drive us ahead of, ahead of uh, game day too. Uh, you, you know, say, hey, we, we, you know, we've got some great stuff on Instagram or here are some links to some stories about our, our team um, that can at least get our prep going in the right direction. And, and then in the championship setting, um, the championship committee, sometimes we get to the events and, and we, especially with D2 and D3, we don't know who the committee people are. Those committee people are have so much knowledge and so much information that they can help us with that I would love to be able to engage more uh, with the championship committees. If they're, if they're having um, an awards banquet or they're having a special night for the student athletes. I know the, the D2s were in Seattle last year and they had, was, it was a very Olympic style setting. Those are the things that we would love to know about so that we can get a camera out there and get some footage of it to, to, to work into the broadcasts. And I think one thing from the conference side uh, that you can control that helps in building those relationships is you know the broadcasters who are doing some of your biggest games, if you're a league that controls who is calling those games, 
make sure that those are people who know your league. You know, I, I think a lot of times it's tough in certain leagues because you're not choosing those people. But when coaches know, okay, I know this person's paying attention to my league. You know, I see like this person is tweeting about, they're watching our games. Like they're talking about us. They know they actually watched us on Thursday. You know, I think having that consistent presence, you know, we have some people who do some of our championships and, you know, our coaches know, okay, we're going to be in DC. Mac McCarthy is going to be the analyst on Saturday and Sunday. You know, I think things like that, where you've built these relationships with these people. And it's something I used to talk a lot when I was in the NEC with Ron Ratner about, because they had the people who called their CBS package, who called their ESPN3 package. And these were people who were their people who knew their league. Some of them were coaches in that league. You know, I think when you can have that ability to have your people calling your league, those people get to know your league. And it's tough. I mean, in certain levels, broadcasters are spread across 15 different leagues over the course of a season. But when you have the opportunity to have people who you get to your championship and you know, oh yeah, they've been watching me all year. There is that level of trust already built in. Sure. Yeah, I think, I think that's so important. And obviously we don't always have control over, you know, who's broadcasting and, and doing play by play. But I certainly know when I showed up to a champ, two championship events last year and Steve was was on those, it was like, oh, great. It's somebody that works in our conference and somebody that knows our teams. Um, and instantly for for me, it was like, huh, okay. I know it's gonna be great. I know he preps really oh. well. And so even Thank though you. I didn't have control over that, it's still, it's those relationships that you start and you have throughout the year that when you do get to those moments where maybe you don't have control, it's like, oh, I've seen this person before. Or, oh, I know this person or I don't. And everything we just talked about for 45 minutes, we prep and <laughs> bring them up to speed on your conference or on your school. Um, so this this was amazing today. I mean, I, I think we could all probably sit here for hours and talk some more, but it's also the postseason. So I'm sure we all have a million other things to get to. Um, so Allie, you know, I'm I think... requesting uh, Coach Crasco for Saturday. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. Um, but I really just want to thank all of you. Um, we've discussed a, a ton today and um, you know, I guess maybe just as a final piece, um, one takeaway that has kind of stuck out for you throughout the conversation today um, that you hope will kind of stick with SIDs as they're watching this and take it into the postseason. So um, I'd love to would love to start with uh, you, Miles. Yeah, one thing uh, that I wanted to touch on that I think is really important to remember is for a lot of schools, especially with fall and winter championships, when the host site is a school playing in that championship, they have a lot on their plate. And, you know, you run into a basketball championship or a hockey championship in February or March, the host school is playing, your student staff's all on spring break, you know, you have people spread all over the place, you're playing a conference title game at noon, and softball's playing at three o'clock. You know, I, I think I've been through this a couple times on the campus side. And just be ahead of the game on those things because these people are spread very thin in these situations and we're all spread very thin to begin with. So when you can help people out in that situation, try to go above and beyond, especially because you might be that person next year. And just as we all try in our industry to help each other out a little more, remember that people are at skeleton crews for some of their biggest games of the year. That's true. So important, Miles. Uh, Steve, we'll kick it over to you for final takeaway here. Yeah, I, I think as broadcasters, I, I think that it's important that we be understanding 
of your your situations, you know, and and know that it's you know not always you know budgets whatever whatever the reasons may be um, that that oftentimes it, it's not easy what you're doing and that we be understanding and that we work with you instead of you know coming in sort of demanding things and all that you know just be be really you know respectful of, of your position and what you do and that we work together to do the best for for all concerned. Yeah, and Steve hit it on the head there. We understand that you're short-staffed. We understand that the title of your position has changed drastically from 30 years ago when, when it was created and molded in that form. And now your tasks involve seven or eight different styles of what you're trying to accomplish in one day for, for your two-hour setting, and many times doing two and three sports. Um, so anything that you can do in advance understanding that your team might be heading in that direction. Um, even if you build out a mold of a skeleton um, of bullet points or whatever, it'll help you in the long run. And 99% of the time, the talent that's coming to do your game understands the restraints that you have. Yeah, well, thank you all three of you. I love, I love those takeaways because it's really about caring for each other. Um, and respecting the work that all of us do and how we can work together to produce the best possible outcome. Um, especially now when we really are heading into deep into the postseason, I think it's easy for us to get stressed and forget. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we're all humans and we're all running, you know, a mile a minute. Um, and so to just kind of bringing that spirit into the postseason, I think is probably the most important thing that we've said in this entire conversation today. So um, I really appreciate the the final takeaways from everybody. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of caps it off here. And we'd like to give a, a big thanks to our presenters, all three of you today for the discussions and insights. I really think, you know, if our, our members can throw this on, um, you know, on the bus or on their next flight uh, heading into the postseason, I think um, it will really, will really be helpful for them. So um, we encourage you to check out College Sports Communicators com for updated information on what's on tap for continuing ed education throughout the rest of the academic year and at our June CSC Unite convention. Thanks again for being with us today, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.